Hi, Jens here. Are you interested in innovation? This might be something for you too. Every Friday, I share the latest innovation articles, ideas, videos, books, podcasts, and more that I discovered during the week in my newsletter, Connect the Dots. If you subscribe, you will receive an email into your inbox every Friday. You can't find the newsletter anywhere else, so you have to subscribe if you want to receive it. Head over to jensheitland.com, scroll to the bottom of the page and sign up. But now, let's get started with the podcast. Hello, innovators, and welcome to another episode of the Jens Heidland Show, where I connect the dots of innovation and entrepreneurship with my guests. Today's guest was part of the founding team at Crowdcube.com, worked then with startups as mentor, advisor, and coach, and today is founder and CEO at Everything, the financial experience that younger generations actually want. Michael shared his experience from being part of a radical growing startup at Crowdcube, funding advice for first-time founders, the forming moments in his career. Please welcome to the show, Michael Wilkinson. Hello, Michael. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Yes, I'm very well, thank you. Very well indeed. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Looking forward. Yeah, likewise. Spe By the way, I don't know if you can't see that. So for everyone on the on the podcast video version i have a swedish flag for michael in the background because he's in sweden <laughs> can you see that <laughs> yeah uh, i can it's no i can't i can't behind see my it. head basically oh very nice very yeah. nice no i can't but uh but thank you very much i appreciate <laughs> it yeah but bit a bit of time in sweden um uh, one of my co-founders is is over here and uh luckily she she's not she's not here but the the main reason um my other half is, is swedish so i dip my time between sweden and, and and london yeah yeah love sweden still miss it a couple of years back that that we lived there but that's not what what we're supposed to talk today let's let's get into the topic so before we go Of course, into the startups you have founded and how you work with startups in the past and what business you you basically just launched or are about to launch. Talk, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you and how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, okay. So um, I was actually born in, in, in South Africa, so a little bit further afield than, than both Sweden and, and the UK and, and Spain, where, where I think you are. So I spent the early early part of my uh, of my time there, but but have been now a, a British native for the best part of twenty four years, I think twenty four years. So, um, <clears throat> grew up in 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 Devon, uh, down in the in the sunny sunny southwest of of the UK. Uh, was was very much the, one of the sporty uh, the sporty variants. Um, growing up through school, played a lot of cricket, played a lot of um, played a lot of hockey as uh, as well, and uh, got my uh, got got my A levels and, and traipsed off to Manchester University, uh, having absolutely no idea really what what it was that I that I wanted to do, um, and ended up doing a, a business degree because I thought, well, yeah, business. There's lots of business around, so maybe I'll I'll be a business a businessman. 
Um, and actually re reflecting on it now, um, I've got some really awful careers advice. I think career careers advisors <laughs> need to improve significantly. No one even mentioned that, that actually entrepreneurship would be something that, that, that I could do. Or starting a business uh, could, could be something interesting. Everything was like, go to the best possible university and do something you want to do for the rest of your life. So, yeah, I ended up doing a, a, a business degree there at Manchester and, and I, I enjoyed my time. Um, I learned ne next to nothing, I, I would say, because lots of, uh, lots of business is not really relevant uh, to learn in, in theory unless you have some form of business experience. So um, I partied quite a bit there, which was, which was a lot of fun and, and managed to grab a year abroad in, in Australia um, which was which was brilliant in in uh, the at the University of Queensland, so Brisbane way, and spent the the best part of kind of a, a year there selecting modules that allowed me to have a Monday and a and a Friday off, so I could go <laughs> surfing at, at the beach with all of the other international students, um, uh, and and then and then kind of came back to to the UK, finished off my 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 degree. And had absolutely no idea what, what I wanted to be still, even though I'd, I'd learned a myriad of different things about, uh, I don't know, the operations of, of a business and financial and management accounting and all of these really important things that, that mean nothing when you're, when you're kind of 18 to, to, to 22. Um, so to, to be honest with you, I was, uh, I was a little bit lost. Uh, and um, maybe, I, maybe I am still a little bit lost. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not now. I'm feeling, feeling much more content and on a on a good path but but as um as many postgraduates um do i decided that the, that the solution to to feeling lost was actually to to go to southeast asia and, and south america um and try and find myself uh so by find myself i, I mean again drink, drink a drink probably a little bit too much too, too much booze and go around and, and see the sites and meet lots of lots of interesting people um, and and came back from came back from that, and uh, still had absolutely no idea what what I wanted to do. But but ended up uh, applying for for an internship, uh, a three month internship at, at a company where there were, there were actually no uh, no real employees at, at that point. A, a really baby startup uh, called Crowdcube.com, um, and the plan was never really to stay there. I, I was uh, I was set on a path to go and do a graduate scheme at Procter and Gamble, which would massively have have pleased my uh, my careers advisors in uh, at school because that was the path that everyone needed to take. And um, and yeah, with, with with Darren and Luke at, at Crowdcube, um, I kind of just fell in love with the number one the kind of startup startup culture and ethos of. On day one, I remember Darren saying to me, uh, don't, don't worry if you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Neither Luke or I know what we're doing either. So we're all just kind of shooting from the hip. And I was like, yeah, I like that. I, I'm, I think I'm quite good at shooting from the hip. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll kind of get, a, get along here. Um, and, and yeah, look, I, I fell in love with, uh, with the concept behind that business and, and the, the, the kind of democratization of finance, but also really... Uh, and lots of credit needs to go out to the guys that from from day one, they just said, yeah, you own the kind of customer and operation side of the business. We know you've got no experience, but none of us have in, in that section, really. So you'll be as good. You'll be as good as us. Go. Um, and, and that opportunity really kind of set me up, I, as, as you can probably imagine. I never ended up going to my um, going to my Pro Procter & Gamble uh, uh, graduate scheme. Um, 
And uh, much to my mother's dismay, uh, I think, I'm not sure she's still uh, forgiven me yet, but she she was furious that I turned down uh, like a 50% pay rise on my pittance of money that I was earning uh, at Crowdcube as an intern to, to not go and do the proper thing. Um, but but yeah, that that kind of kicked off my foray into the world of of startups and and financial technology. And um, I spent the the best part of of seven seven eight years at, at Crowdcube. Um, and my my time there uh, started off as kind of a jack of all trades, master of none on the on the customer and operations side, more of a kind of operations manager. But I dealt really with all of the clients. And went all the way through then um, to kind of closing out my time there as as the as the ops director, um, managing all, all of the entrepreneur side of the of the of the business, uh, from kind of um, account management, sales, sales, and and, and and some of that stuff, sales ops, uh, all the way through to to the kind of compliance side and 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 everything in between as as well, um, focusing a lot really then on on how we can. How we could scale the the, the business um, and grow out beyond the, the UK into Europe and the US and um, and beyond. And yeah, for me that was a, it was a really formative um, formative experience. Like like I'd I had I came in with absolutely no experience at all, um, and just kind of learn like you do when when there's no one to um, to lean on. You just have to kind of figure things out for you, for yourself. Um, and and learn from the people around you as, as as much as you can. But yeah, a brilliant brilliant few few years at, at Crowdcube, and I, I really reflect and, and look back fondly at the at my at my time there. I think I think it raised raised the best part of kind of five hundred million odd pounds for eight hundred nine hundred or, or so companies, and had the pleasure of of raising um for the very first rounds of, of lots of companies that 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 sit at the kind of pinnacle of our um startup ethos guys like uh free trade uh revolut brewdog monzo lot, lots of um lot, lots of lots of those guys before they were famous and um and then and then grew some somewhat larger <laughs> larger egos and and their rightly so their businesses be, became a lot a lot bigger so yeah, du- during um, during my Crowdcube time as as well, I uh, I dived into to doing an MBA at, at Exeter University, and and that was a a, a four IR um, technology and sustainability MBA. I think it used to be called the One Planet MBA, uh, but they've they, they've they've tweaked that. And, and for me, that was actually super insightful um, in understanding the kind of sustainable business challenges that. That, that we that we have and 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 that as business leaders are are really important for us to to, to focus on um it really kind of centered my my understanding around that and I, i've never really backtracked luckily um from from some of those models and, and theories and, and and thoughts but um yeah i had a, a brilliant kind of three four years do, doing doing that and um and 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 love my my time there i think it was it was a really inspirational um, kind of re-motivational boost that, that, that I needed at, at that point, just to do something a little bit different outside of the, the workplace. Um, and then, yeah, post, so post-leaving post leaving Crowdcube back in 2018, I think, end of 2017, 20, 2018, yeah, early, early 2018, it, it, it may well have been, um, I... Uh, I thought, as uh, as as many people do, like, oh, I've got loads of experience now. I'm 
Uh, I'm the sort of guy that everyone will hire as a, as a consultant. Like I know everything about crowdfunding. I know everything about this and I know everything about that. And um, true, true to form, I, I kind of doubled down on, on my, my own consultancy there, Exponential Spark, um, which is no longer with us, sadly. Um, but, but it was a, a kind of cor- corporate innovation consultancy. Uh, and I also worked with a lot of startups, uh, I guess, really allowing businesses to benefit from um, my own journey, mainly all the things that, that, that I messed up uh, over the years at, at, at Crowdcube. Um, but also I helped lots of, lots of guys kind of prepare, get, get investment ready, prepare for, for fundraising and, and also go down the path that, that they actually um, they actually needed to, to to go and raise those funds. I think it's still quite a mysterious process for, for lots of first time founders in, in particular. Um, and it can be it can be something that, that's really scary. You've got to go in a room and, and kind of pitch your idea, your baby to lots of people. And 99 percent of them tell you it's a, a pile of shit. And, um, and it's, it, you've got to be quite resilient to, uh, to be able to kind of go through that. So, yeah, I worked with some really interesting clients there, guys like Propelia, Kudu. Um, Godwin Group, Wild Beer, a couple of a whole host of, of of others, but but I really missed I really missed being in being actually in a business, and I think for me it was it was about being a part of um, a journey, not just telling people how they could improve their their journey. It's about being part of that, and I think I'm quite mission driven as a as a as a person. So so yeah, Darren, who uh, is the CEO at Crowdcube. Um, he got back in touch uh, and we started chatting about a few ideas that, that we had um, uh, around the, the kind of open banking space and a couple of problems that, that we've been trying to solve for small businesses. And we, we'd heard came up time and time again, uh, kind of actually facilitating seamless, sim- simple uh, payments, B- B2B payments from customers and suppliers to, to really efficiently um, solve kind of cash flow problems. And and along with Pete, who is another alumni of, uh, of Crowdcube as well, we, we set up a company called Juno. Uh, and, and Juno really was, was trying to reinvent bank payments using open banking. Um, so I guess, yeah, creating that kind of simple, seamless, fast, secure payments for, for, for small businesses. And early, early 2020, uh, we, we, we kicked things off and we're, we're really fortunate and uh, after a lot of hard work, actually, raised um, the, the best part of one and a half million from some, some brilliant investors, Lakestar, Lakestar Six Fintech, um, and, and, and a few others as, uh, as well, and, and started to, to build out that, that business. Um, and to be honest with you, I, I look back on it now and, and it was going in incredibly well. Um, unfortunately, as often happens uh, or occasionally happens in, in these instances, there, there were some, some issues uh, that we couldn't overcome with the, with the investors, which might, might have to go into in a, on, on, on another podcast. It's quite a long and involved story, but, but, but unfortunately um, we weren't able to release that, that last tranche of funding, which left, left us in this kind of precarious position of um, either needing to raise cash in, in 30 days or, or shut the business down. So sadly, we, we chose the, the latter option. And um, I think uh, someone is going to fill that space. I, I think, I think the, the idea was, was, was brilliant. Um, 
and and the opportunity there is a is is a big one. So I'm quite sad that that that, that didn't work. But but ultimately, by by that um, by that hurdle being stuck in my way, uh, I then met met Adam uh, and and Thuria. Um I as my spontaneous um, personality often. Uh, often dictates decided that I'd move to Sweden on a kind of whim to um to to live with my partner who's Swedish uh still going through this this was about six months ago still going through the the work permit now in, in case you're wondering I, I think because of because I'm British Swedish people are looking at it and saying yeah back of the line you post post Brexit you made a lot of work for us <laughs> so you're coming last in this race um, but but yeah, I had the opportunity to, to to meet those guys, and it was a real kind of meeting of minds, um, and and everything really was was born, uh, and and that's that's where I am now. So so yeah, like in in a in a real a real nutshell, everything is um, a social finance company for um, for Gen Z and, and young young millennials, basically creating the financial experience that the younger generations actually actually want and. Uh, no doubt we'll we'll kind of pick the the bones out of that a little bit later, but yeah, that leaves me where 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 I am now in Sweden, uh, in sunny Sweden, with this beautiful gold uh, gold painting bit behind me, um, working on everything with the guys out here, and I, I couldn't be happier. Awesome story, and just for, for people wondering, everything is the company name because yeah, I was first. Uh, yeah, yeah. So every, 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 everything's the the company name, and it is. Um, it, you can you you can imagine it, it's uh, it's not the easiest to to get up the the Google search rankings, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, everything everything is the the, the company name. Yeah, joineverything.com. <laughs> so and of course I will put the links into the show notes. Awesome. A couple of things I want want to dive deeper into. Um, where do we start? Uh, let's let's start with. You mentioned that there have been a couple of forming forming parts of of your life. I would like to dive deeper into you working inside of CrowdCube, and 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 you mentioned like going really from an intern perspective, doing the day to day operational things that an intern is doing, then growing basically growing up inside of that organization. What have been specific forming moments for you and maybe as well people who helped you to form yourself yeah no it's a it's a it's a really really good good question and i i think i think there are probably probably a couple um so one of the things that i found that 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 i found most challenging but also probably one of the most kind of valuable valuable lessons i learned so i learned it from um our our cfo at at crowdcube there bill uh, who's a um, like a, a rock star CFO? He, he was the CFO at, at MySpace. Um, I think if you remember that social media company that kind of no longer exists, but also rated people and a whole host of, of others, and um, a, a good leader in his own right. And, and one of the things that when you go through a, a kind of it's almost like felt like a family family oriented business in the early days when you got kind of five, ten, fifteen I- employees and. You're friends with everyone because that's just that's just how it works. And 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 as as we as we started to grow um, a little bit larger and and go past that kind of fifteen twenty, and I, and I was having to learn how to hire well and uh, and made some kind of mistakes on on that front. 
But I think I think one of the things I I hadn't really realised was that it's not a good idea to to try and be best friends with with everyone in the in the company, and, and actually it doesn't work as a um, as a as a leader uh, or a or a manager. And I think there's probably a distinction between the two. But but it was a it was a hard lesson because I I ended up um, ended up really struggling uh, for for a period of about six months. To, to to have these kind of really close personal and effective business relationships um, and ultimately kind of failed on on that front and I remember sitting there and, and chatting with 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 Bill about this and, and he was like you don't need to to be everyone's best friend and I think it's actually important that you're not everyone's best friend like the the, the having um, having that kind of emotional intelligence and supporting people and and understanding people and having their back is important, um, but it doesn't mean that, that that you you need to spend all of your time outside of work with with these people as well. And in fact, it, it's it's going to be challenging for you if if you do. So so actually trying to extract myself from some of those relationships was was difficult, but it was the it was the right thing to do, and it actually did balance um, the the kind of power dynamic and and my own political sway as, as well and an ability to, um, to to drive change in and amongst the, the team quite quite significantly um, but yeah that, that's one of those really important lessons that uh, I wish I'd known on on day one because I'd probably saved myself six months of emotional anguish uh, of of having to try and extract myself from friendships when you see it's like if you're trying to you're trying to cancel someone out out of your life, it's pretty hard to, to do it when you see them every day, uh, like eight hours a day. It becomes a difficult situation. So for me, that was one of my that was one of my really formative experiences. And I think um, I, I think a, an, another one actually um, was probably where, where were we 2014, 2015-ish. So, so we'd spoken to, to the guys at, at, at Boulderton, who were, who were our investors, at, one of our uh, early investors at Crowdcube. Um, and, and we were trying to understand how we achieved some of the really aggressive kind of growth targets that, that they and, and we were, were pushing for. And, and ultimately, they, they told us that instead of waiting, um, waiting for, for kind of three, six months to, for, for the development cycle to catch up, can you not throw people at the at the problem? Uh, like you just raised a big load of cash. Let's throw some people at, uh, at the problem. We'll solve out all the the development and process stuff later. Um, and that that kind of worked. And, and we did uh, we did kind of increase our the, the key numbers that we were focusing on. There was like volume of pitches funded, uh, like total revenue generated from pitches, like your average fee, like all, all of the like volume of investment that was going through the platform. And, and we did manage to spike some of some of that. But it caused an almighty um, issue going forwards where we, we, we grew without thinking about what that scale um, could or, or should look like. And, and unfortunately, I think it was 20, 2015, end of 2015, 2016, um, we grew a bit and then started flatlining. Um, and it kind of massively ate into, uh, ate into our margins because we hired like 25% increase on uh, an increased, increased workforce. And and we we were stuck in this awful position. I remember sit, sitting there with uh, with Darren, Luke, and the guys talking about okay, so now we need to cut costs. Like, what's the what's the the quickest way to cut costs? Is to 
is to to actually remove some of these some of these senior people. So we went through this huge round of hiring, which was like, "Hooray, we're hiring, we're growing." Everyone was like, culturally, the, the culture was brilliant. It was amazing. Everyone was loving life at Crowdcube, and 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 then you then you have to chop twenty five percent of the workforce, and um and that was like heartbreaking. I remember Darren standing up in, in front of the company, he was actually like crying as he as he said it. But it was it was it was completely self-inflicted um unfortunately like lo- looking back on it now at the time we didn't ne- hadn't necessarily it was quite raw we hadn't necessarily realized but it was completely self-inflicted and um that's one of those that that's one of those moments where it was really tough actually to have to pick from the people in my in my team um some of these guys unfortunately uh, unfortunately are, are not going to be able to to stay with us and and some of the really important, um, I, I guess, like they, they perhaps weren't were deemed to not be the really important senior leaders. But there were see, some of the senior guys who who were obviously being paid um, some of the higher uh, higher higher wages. These guys had to had to go as well, and then we we kind of had to make do going forward. So that's one of those lessons that like I'll, I'll never make that or never make that mistake again. And, and I see the warning signs coming a, a mile off of. Actually, do we need to grow at four hundred percent? Could we just grow at three hundred percent and and not um, not throw capital at this uh, at this problem? Can we can we solve it by being more efficient? Like there are a whole load of other things that we could have done um, to to really get to to be from A, but but chose the what was in essence the easiest easiest answer. Yeah, nice learnings. Yeah, it, it, it's it's always interesting to hear these things because people in similar situation would do the same and would learn the same over time as well i know i, I know and i, and I, I kind of wish i i i, I do wonder reflecting back why, why we got that advice from our vc you, you must have seen this uh, seen this play out play out before um i was a bit surprised that that that, that was that, that that had come come from those guys but i i think actually just just lastly on the kind of formative side there uh, the the guys um, in particular that that really really helped me. I wouldn't say necessarily that I learned huge volumes specifically from them, but they actually helped me to um, massively believe in my in, in myself and my and my own ability. Were, were Darren and Luke and and the guys, like I said from from day one, they they just said, "Look, we we trust you, dude. Like um, what you what you." what you say goes. And if that's your decision, that that's your decision. They guided me and nudged me here and there, but to kind of let, uh, I think I was 20, 22 at that point um, to let someone kind of loose uh, to that extent who had absolutely no experience. Um, I thought that was quite brave from their point of view and having kind of gone through that, that process my, myself and seen lots of other founders at work, it can be very difficult to, to let go and, and, allow people, trust people um, and allow people to be uh, accountable and, and give them that autonomy. And, and that's one of the things that's really shaped my own uh, kind of leadership and, uh, and, and nurturing style. Like I, I, I'm a firm believer that it's the, the right approach. If you've hired the right people, give them the room to um, succeed and, and, and fail. Um, and, and without doing that, you, you're number one, you're never going to be able to, to actually unload enough as a founder to, to be a to be a big business like it, it's it's really important so those guys as, as well were, were hugely important in in my crowdcube journey and in kind of allowing me to optimize myself and, and learn and, and believe in in my ability 
Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 great to have this early on in your career having people and leaders who are like really empowering you because I truly mm -hmm. believe in that as well. And I've seen yeah. in a very large corporate in my in, in my history in IKEA, there's the leadership style is similar and I wouldn't I wouldn't be where I am without the leaders in my in my life in the same way. Yeah, no, it's 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 vital, but it's look, it's a hard, it's a really hard thing to yes. do as a as a founder. Like it, it it's not a natural, um, a not a natural approach just to allow people to go away. I think go away and and, and do and 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 also to to actually be accountable enough to to fail. Like it it is really tough. I think yeah. I think part of the way that um that 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 it's been managed or it can be managed well is is in setting the the right. Uh, like cultural framework, setting the right the, the right values and, and setting the right kind of um, objectives and key results across the business to allow people to to have their own little creative patch that that, that they uh, that they own and the, aut the autonomy within um, within the right kind of path. So you're all going at least in the right direction. Yeah. I would like to jump into you mentoring and advising and coaching startups. So you mentioned earlier that kind of the career advice you got wasn't really properly. Now that you have worked with a lot of star startups in different ways, how, how, how do you look back? Do you see patterns of people who are ending up founding startups similar to yours or are there, are there no things that are aligned or similar than your story? Yeah, that's that, that I guess I've never, never necessarily thought about it. And I, I, I think, um, I think since I went through the the kind of career and um, co yeah career mentorship uh, process back in whenever it was two thousand and was it two thousand five two thousand six I think things have probably changed quite a bit more. It's, it, it it became um, when I was at CrowdCube it, it became kind of uh, on trends to be a, a startup entrepreneur and, and founder. So I think lots more people will lots more people will and do think about it now. I think um, I think because of that, and, and also probably because of the um, the accessibility of, of of funding in the UK in particular, which, which actually guys like CrowdCube help, helped a lot with. Um, I think lots more people are, are trying to kind of go down that path, but unfortunately, I, I think there's probably a lot of people that are are not right um, in terms of their in terms of their kind of mental capacity because it's not it's not an easy it's not the easy option mm. um and and actually you need to either have learnt in in earlier life or, or be willing to go through the um go through the capacity of of being beaten down and, and failing a, a lot and 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 reflecting on kind of failure as as a learning opportunity and and that Like that took me some time to to get my my head around, and and I, and I I often wonder if I actually hadn't had a kind of lightweight introduction as I as I see it to um to to CrowdCube whether whether or not I I would have gone on to to found any businesses I I, I don't know I think I think the pathway uh, sometimes I don't know whether it's I don't know what it is the universe just pointing you in the in the right direction things things just happen. Um, but but I was dead set to go down a completely different path. So yeah, I, I think uh, I, I think as long as you you're willing to to learn and be open um, and have a growth mindset, 
you can you can be an entrepreneur, but but I think people some people are naturally a little bit more um, I guess a little bit more safe. It's not a safe option. Like there have been plenty of times in my career when I haven't had any money because uh, unlike all of my peers uh, who went down a different path and and had kind of a steady income, I I decided to to risk it again and and. Uh, take basically no salary for X period of time to to build something up that 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 I that I really believed in. But I think you I, I think you, you either have that 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 passion um, to build and create and uh, and 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 probably be willing to kind of accept a, a, a little bit of risk um, or or it's perhaps not not in, in, embedded in you. And I think that's probably more uh more important than being pointed down down that direction by a kind of careers advisor yeah if if you say risk is 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 a key part of it what would be one of the or maybe the top skill you would say uh founders should have is it maybe towards making money out of nothing or something or what what is the thing that that or the number one skill that helps a startup founder to be successful oh that's like asking you to pick your your favorite <laughs> child i think it's i uh, personally i there there is there is not one skill but i think no, there are I, whole, I get a whole, whole array however however um i i think that the thing that i um that i risk is is not it like you have to have a tolerance to risk i think that's in, important but the one thing that i've um that, that i've kind of all, all already mentioned i think is really important and, and that's that that re resilient mindset and, and and being able to adapt and learn from from failure like for me i, I think that's uh, ultimately vital like anyone can can come up with a good idea i don't think coming up with the idea is the hard part in entrepreneurship yeah. um i think the i think with the the second the the execution is 100 percent. it's 99 execution that's the hard part but the hard part about the execution um It's not the learning, and it's not the um, it's not the uh, the understanding how to do. It. Like you can learn all that stuff from a textbook. You can you can speak to other founders. The, the the hard part, which no one can actually teach you, is when the shit hits the fan for like the fifth time in a month, and and you're like, this is hopeless. No one no one believes in what we're doing. Like we can't even like onboard 10 customers. Like no one wants the product. It's to it's to it's to have that if if you truly are going on the right path and you do be really believe in in what you're doing and and sometimes there's an important lesson in in, in giving up giving up early when you're not um, but but having that, that that ability to just get get up again um, and say okay yeah that didn't go so well uh, what can I learn from that how can I not how can we do it better next time um, let's go again um, and that mindset is it's super tough to to learn. And it's it's even more tough to learn when you've got your money on the line. When um, actually, if you do fail, you might not be able to pay your mortgage or whatever it is. Like it, it becomes much, much more. It becomes no longer just a kind of theoretical. Or it would be hard to do that. It becomes like a real kind of almost like a life or death thing. So having that that utmost belief in your idea yourself and, and picking yourself up time and time and time again. It is just like for me that's um, that you won't find an entrepreneur out there that doesn't have that that skill in abundance. A, a good entrepreneur out there doesn't have that skill in abundance. Yeah, how important is is it connected to that? Is it to 
be connected to others and maybe have a mentor or someone who has done it before and they kind of keep you a little bit calmer or keep you on track and say, hey, you will manage? Or is it really just truly about yourself? No, I think I think I think the the latter. Um, I think that sorry, the the former. I think um, it can be a really lonely experience, actually, and particularly much more often for first time founders. Like by the time you've gone through the rungs, you, you normally have a, a natural birth of people that you can speak to either from previous businesses or, or previous relationships or investors or, or other founders that you know and. You, you you have that understanding of who your support bubble can, can be. But if you're fresh, um, fresh to the world of, uh, of starting a business, the, the, the natural, your natural inclination, um, and this is, this is probably true of, of many entrepreneurs, is, yeah, no, I can do all of this on my own. I don't need anyone, anyone's help. Um, and it's absolutely the wrong way to, to look at it. And, and it means you end up with a, a really kind of lonely experience where you've got no one to, to bounce your, your, your troubles off. So I don't necessarily, it doesn't need to, to, to specifically be a mentor or a coach or anything. I think just having um, someone who uh, can empathize with your experiences, someone that's been through it, someone that was also going through it, like just having the ability to kind of offload just uh, naturally from a, from a human perspective, offloading some of those troubles, almost kind of, you, you, you feel that kind of relief. It's not you on your, it's not you on your own. And, and as, as you, as you end up going through, um, going through phases of, of running more and more businesses, you, you realize that it's really important to have that support network from, from, from day one. And, and actually that everything doesn't need to be solved by yourself actually it's best if everything isn't solved by yourself like solve the stuff that you're best at let the best people um solve the things that that, that you're not and and that's when that kind of early hiring and um bring in the, the the right people and and having uh having that network around you can be can be really valuable and i think i think in in doing that it's important to to spend that time um spend time away and book it into to your, to your schedule to, to go and uh, meet with a, an entrepreneur's network or, or go and uh, go and do some some networking or sit down to uh, a dinner with, with a whole host of entrepreneurs. There's, there's tons of things you can do in, in, in London where you can just share and chat to each other and, and, and get some ideas about some of the problems and things that, that you can't overcome. Like it's much easier now than it was 10, 10 years ago when um, when lots of entrepreneurs, if you, if you didn't have money or raised investment, you kind of were on your own, particularly down in Exeter where um, where we were. Like we didn't we didn't really know know anyone, but um, yeah, it was it, it was uh, it was it was it's challenging if you if you have to try and run through that or, of your own accord and 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 um, without any support. Yeah. If we go forward. You founding your first business alone. So starting as an intern, growing inside of Crowdcube, doing the MBA. And, and then you finally said, okay, I will build my own business and I will be a founder. What mm. led you to, to that path? I think it's, um, uh, yeah. So, so I spent the best part of, like, like I said, seven years watching other founders go through this kind of uh, emotional roller coaster as as such and and the the benefits and the pitfalls and the ups and the and the downs but but ultimately 
what I what I saw was uh, a lot of people that were incredibly passionate about what they were doing. And in spite of the the really difficult times, like on the balance of it, people loved loved their jobs. Mm. And and I looked into like all all of my friends, everyone else that was um that was doing doing their own thing, working for for big companies, like not no more than a third of them said, yes, I absolutely love what I do on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's tough, but I love it. Like most people, most people just, just kind of get, get by and it's a, it's a way of earning money. And then that's how they earn their fun tokens for the weekend and holidays and they get paid well, but they don't really feel that, um, that engaged uh, in, in their, in their job. So I think, I think I realized that um, like I, I, f- I felt like I, I had learned a lot about entrepreneurship from spending almost every day with founders, um, some good, some bad, some indifferent, and had a real feel for, for what makes a, a good entrepreneur and, and how to craft a, um, a, a, a good business and, and, and execute it, raise funds, do, do, all of that, do all of that jazz. So for me, it was a case of, look, look I, I didn't even think about doing, doing something else. Like I knew, I knew very early on into my time in, in CrowdCube, kind of two, three years, I was like, yeah, I want this for me. It's just, when have I learned enough? When, when, when do I have something that I think is, is, is relevant? So yeah, I think that's why, that's why I, I, I jumped in. Um, and I, I can't really imagine having done anything else. I think it would have been a real shock to, to go into a big, going to a big corporate, although before everything I had thought, do you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to throw myself into, uh, into the big world with, I don't know, like a true layer or, or a tink, like these, these, these like late stage startups that they can pay big pay packets. Like that's, that's what I, uh, that's, that's what I need at this stage of my career. And, and, and then ultimately started another company. So I think, I think if you, if you're going down that path, like uh, I just, I've just resigned myself to say, okay, look, that's what I do now. I just like, I, I miss, I'm addicted to, to, to the ups and downs. And I love the, the challenge and, and the mission and, and the, the, the kind of creative process of building something that, that, people, that people love. So yeah, for, for me, the, the first, first company that, that um, I started after, after being involved in CrowdKey was, was my consultancy. And I don't necessarily think it, it, it fits the, the kind of core um, core journey, but 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 ultimately it was it, it was it was fantastic. I, I loved the flexibility and the freedom of, of working for my for myself. Um, but but I missed the I, like I said I, I missed the journey. So so yeah, being um, founding founding Juno uh, founding Juno was just kind of the next step back into uh, what I saw as the high growth, high potential, like scary. Everything's breaking because we're moving too fast type business that that was what i i loved like i i i loved the um the i guess i loved that the kind of ex- excitement and and who knows what happens next week could be anything like business could go, business could go bust and, and one time that did happen which wasn't so great but also we could <laughs> land our investment with lake star we could like acquire like these big uh, big partnerships with some with some cracking uh cracking companies like like, like we did as well and and that unknown and and the pace of movement, I think, in the early stage of of a journey is it's kind of addictive and it's um, it's really motivating as 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 well. Like it's exciting to wake up and be like, "What's going to happen this week?" Whereas uh, if I was doing my my kind of night night or eight or seven in 
in a big if I was in the Procter and Gamble or whoever it was, uh, I'm not sure I'd, I'd 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 have those same questions to answer on a on a week by week basis. Yes, slightly slightly different speed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, I have to ask you because you're the expert, and everyone from the startup ecosystem will kill me if I don't ask you. Fundraising. You mentioned already that's that's something a lot of people get wrong. I don't want to go too deep into it because I guess we could fill a full podcast episode around that. Mm. What what are three main tips on how startups can be more efficient and more effective specifically on fundraising? Let's say a startup founder who has never done a fundraising at all but needs money. <laughs> Yeah, so so I I think <clears throat> I think your first your first port of call, which is super important, is is trying to understand uh, like why why do you need this cash? How how much do you need? And what type of funding do do you need? I, I know it can be um, everyone's seen Dragon's Den. You think yeah, equity equity funding is is what I need. Like I'm I'm on the path to. Um, To being the next, uh, I don't know, the next stripe or whatever, whatever it is. But, but actually, um, actually getting past that that first funding stage, um, it might not be it might not be equity that you need. So spending some time, and there are there are tons of resources out there um, working out. Like, do you need? Can can you get some um, some some debt funding? Can you? Is equity right? Are there lots of grants out there? It might be that you work in clean tech or. Uh, or, or, or some some deep tech. Can you get R and D tax credits that can kind of help get you to to that point? Because I see a lot of uh, entrepreneurs trying to raise really early um, before re before actually they've kind of proved their 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 MVP before they've got even the kind of the the, the beginnings of a product market fit. And it's like an unbelievable uphill battle. You're not going to get. Unless you've got the best idea in the world, like you're, you've, you've got a um, validated cure for cancer uh, and you don't need product market fit because you've, you're walking around the streets like Jesus healing people, um, then, then like you, you, need, you need to have some of those kind of basic, basic measures and metrics in, in place to, to be able to give investors the confidence that, um, that, you, that you are something worth investing in. And if they add capital... Um, so business plus capital equals kind of semi-guaranteed growth. Like that's the uh, that that's the equation. So I would say find find your right um, funding method. I think if you are if you are going to go down the, uh, the 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 equity route, what what lots of what lots of founders um, don't necessarily understand uh, or, or aren't necessarily willing to, to commit to is that the time it takes so the the lucky few that have been through the the fundraising um mill before will know that a big kind of proportion of this comes um comes from out of uh process conversation so networking and speaking to lots of people about fundraising and i think as you go through the the founder um the founder journey you'll realize how important it is to maintain these connections and networks for um, for, for, for the future. But, but what lots of people do not do is they'll go out and start messaging on LinkedIn and sign up to angel network, uh, events and, and start going to, to, to kind of pitch, um, at these kind of specific events without actually thinking about who are my warm connections? Like 
Who do I know? How do I how do I start to to get these links into people that maybe small angel investors are? Do any of my friends, family, do any of these guys can they stick in small amounts? Because um, <clears throat> the that 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 very first amount, particularly people that are new to, to fundraising at CrowdCube, that the first tranche of of fundraising came from Luke and Darren and, and the guys kind of going around and uh, and and selling a few of their things and getting their family to invest and uh, like getting people in headlocks at Christmas and saying everyone sell their Christmas presents type thing. So it's a real grind um, and it, it doesn't, it doesn't come easy, but, but lots of the time you'll know people in your network that, that are willing to, um, to introduce you. So I think that's another, um, that's another kind of key kickoff fundraising uh, tip from me. And I and and also expect it to be um, expect it to be like hard and and long and most people to to not be interested um, and lots of people to to kind of say no but but you just need to kind of keep plugging away and eventually some of these connections will will lead to um, to people that are that are willing to help and I think a real a, a real tip on on this kind of networking around your your existing network it is even if people aren't interested um more often than not if someone can't help they'll be willing if they can't help because they feel like they kind of let you down a little bit they'll be willing to introduce you to someone who might be able to so if you open up the tentacles enough like a octopus you just keep bouncing around uh, until you can find some people that, that that are interested and look if you spend six months and you can't find a single person that's interested maybe maybe the business isn't um isn't the right one for, for for fundraising so i would say that's a that's a second tip the um using using your own network and and creating the, the that kind of initial tranche of of funding that really kicks things off and it's much easier to walk into an angel meeting and say we've got forty five thousand already lined up we're raising 100 150k um and I think I think the third one, uh, and this again, it doesn't come it doesn't come naturally to um, a a founder that, that that's used to kind of talking uh, about their business is when you're when you're out there and and you're and you're speaking to investors, you need to when you're building out that pitch deck and when you when you're building out the um, the the elevator pitch, you need to think about what they want to to know. Um, and it's not a, don't, don't spend, don't spend four slides and 25 minutes just explaining how the product works. Like there, there are loads of formats out there, but it's surprising. I still get like quite a lot of pitch decks into my, into my inbox. And it's surprising how, um, how often people spend so much time on, on the product, but not about the questions that the investors are going to actually be asking in their head, like, is this the is this a proper market opportunity? Is it a growing market? Um, who are the team? Like, are these guys like properly the right team? Like, is their founder market fit as well as kind of product market fit here? Like, are they executors? Like, uh, what what have they what are they? What's the what's the wider vision here? Um, like, what what are the what are the pain points particularly for customers? So so it's not it's not a case of explaining your product and then adding the other things either side like really think hard about what investors want to want to know uh, and and spend some time hashing it out before you go out and formally start pitching to people ping it past a, an investor and, and get some proper feedback on the on the deck before you kind of live show it out there in the in the wild and start pitching at angel events and start doing some of these um 
some of these meetings. So yeah, that would be my that would be my third top tip. Great. Thank you. <laughs> Let's go to everything, the company name, everything. <laughs> mm -hmm. So first of course, how did you end up with the name everything? Yeah, so uh, yeah, it was a <clears throat> it was an interesting one. So it used to be called Lit. Uh, obviously, it's it's um, so it, it's a it's it's a company focused on the kind of the social generation. So creating um, creating the financial experience that that those guys actually want. But it was called Lit because that's cool, and uh, that was kind of Gen Z lingo. And 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 then we started working with. Um, a company called Creed Media, who who, who are one of the, the the kind of foremost Gen Z marketing agencies on on uh, on this planet, um, and they worked with lots of lots of uh, like music companies. They have a huge army of kind of serious influencers, and they said, "You sound like the word they used was you sound like chugies," and we were like, "Sorry, what?" And uh, it turns out a chugi is the Gen Z word for a millennial trying to be cool and 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 look like a Gen Z. Um, and, and true to form, uh, that's, that was exactly what we're doing. So we, we went through a whole kind of branding exercise where we knew, we knew where we wanted to get to, um, but we worked with, uh, worked with Creed Media to kind of validate our assumptions and ended up just kind of brainstorming various different I ideas and names. And, um, uh, and, and that's the one that, that, that landed. Um, I, I think in, I think in reality, the, the, the idea behind it was that it, the, the everything gives you everything so it's it, it gives you everything in your finances um it's not for for everyone but you've got the chance of of winning everything through the rewards on the platform earning everything um so it was it was centered around that that word and it just kind of stuck um i think it's quite it's quite catchy although it's an absolute disaster to try and um, get it to the top of the Google uh, the Google rankings, um, but that's uh, that's probably a whole other podcast's worth of uh, worth of content there that I'm definitely not qualified enough for. But did you then? So in, interesting that you worked with a branding agency or marketing agency early on. What mm. what, what what led you to go to them instead of just using the other name? Because I know a lot of startups they just yeah. Let's go with this name. Let's let's move it and let's figure it out. Yeah. So so in, interestingly, we um, we actually raised a uh, raised a small in investment round. So we raised a kind of pre seed of um, so about five hundred thousand ish. I guess it's not a, a small pre seed, really thinking about it in in general terms. But about five hundred k, and then uh, we we got a um, we got some cash as well um, that wasn't equity from MasterCard, about 1.3, 1.4 million. Um, so at, at that point, we had the, the luxury of some brilliant investors and there were some great guys in uh, in everything. So um, some of the founders of, of, of Truecaller uh, that are in an angel collective now called, called Frampted, um, Alban Johansson, who's the, the founder of uh, and CEO uh, at Axel Arigato, uh, Sujay Tile, who's the CEO of, of, of Merimar, um a whole host of, of of other of other guys as as well so we we got some we got some great uh great advice around uh around that and and actually as part of that funding round that the guys from the founders at creed media also invested um and they were like guys like we can like we love the concept we, we love 
the, the idea of creating a lifestyle brand around uh, around finance that, that that actually makes finance social, that makes it rewarding, that makes it exciting. Uh, and they they said, look, come in, come in with us and 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 work with us. Um, we will give you like a crazy rate um, that was an investor special. Like <laughs> they obviously don't invest in that many companies. So I think we we had the luxury of um, of of having that opportunity that probably lots of startups who are undercapitalized or haven't raised investment yet or, or don't have that quality of, of of investor in their in their very first round, which we which is probably lots. Um, that they, they wouldn't have those opportunities. So if we were bootstrapping, like we 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 never would have gone down down that path. But we were lucky to um, to secure a, a a pretty sizable funding round to kick things off. Yeah, makes sense. So you already mentioned it a couple of times. I would would like to get the understanding of what everything is about. But before, let's talk about the target group. So what for whom is it? Yeah, so so we're targeting what what we call, uh, and it's it's morphed a little bit over the last kind of six to to, to nine months. So we're targeting what what we call the the social generation, um, and the the kind of rationale behind that is uh, is that that this is a generation of of people that that are growing rapidly. Everyone um, lives their lives, spend a lot of their lives on on social media. But it's primarily, uh, and our, our our initial target audience, uh, and it's not exclusively these guys, but um, in our in our kind of digital marketing testing and our paid ads, it, it was it was primarily um, Gen Zs and then younger millennials that really connected with our with our content. And and these guys look. So if you if you just look at Gen Zs in, in particular, um, they're they'll soon be forty percent of the the global population. They're the fastest growing um, cohort by in, in terms of economic growth. They're, they're, I think they, they make about 40%. It's almost 40% of, of online, online buying decisions. Like they're, they're, they are, without a shadow of a doubt, one of the most important generations, if not, if not the most important generation to focus on in the next five years in, in the finance space. Because if you think about it, um, they're also going to get the wealth of... Uh, Of, uh, of of boomers handed handed down to them, so mm. they're, they're on track to, to to be the most important um, generation for, for for finance. But but actually, they're they're the most underserved. That uh, there are almost no financial products created specifically for this this kind of younger generation, and that there's a very specific reason for that, and it's because they want the Gen Z in particular have completely distinct needs from from that of uh, of older generations and actually millennials are, are a little bit more flexible which is why if you look at um, you look at financial products right now you look at the kind of monzos the revoluts and, and those guys they they work they, they span across those those bands because um, fi finance has always been a, a completely private thing and, and millennials and, and older generations are absolutely fine with that that's what they expect like finances, transactional it's it, it's private and these guys in particular actually the um the monzos the revolutes the kind of curves free trades these guys that they, they've they've changed the game in in terms of user experience around finance and it looks good and it, it kind of works well now um but it's still ultimately a, a, a lonely experience uh you you do finance and you 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 do it on your own that's just the, the way it is and 
that is not how the younger generation lived their lives. They, 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 they are digitally native, yes, but they're also inherently, um, inherently social uh, and much more so than, than, any other, than any other generation because they were, they were kind of born into it and, and they expect it in lots of, other, uh, lots of the rest of their, their products. And in the finance space, you've got the likes of kind of Wall Street bets, um, doing uh, for the for the investment space, they're socialising investment. There's actually an app called Shares.com as well um, that that are starting to look into this stuff. And then you've got I don't know. Look at Peloton. They're, they've made um, uh, or starting to, to to make fitness social. You've also got uh, TikTok who have made music social. When you compare that to Spotify, which is single player. Uh, you've got Fortnite and Roblox and um, uh, and lots of these guys that have user-generated content. You can have squads and parties in uh, in the platform, and all of that stuff makes much higher engagement. I, I think social, like social games and, and, and social products, have an average engagement time of about 150 minutes a, a day, whereas banking products have an average engagement time of, of three minutes a, a day per, per user. So like we, for, for this particular generation and, and ge- these particular generations, the social, the social generation that already have that within their blood that they already love, like we, we want to turn something that's, that's always been private to be kind of effortlessly social. And, and that's what, that's the kind of mission of, of everything. Nice. So, if I understand you right, it's basically the differentiator is bu- building that into into the product. So it's not just banking; it's a social component. Yeah, you're well. you're you're, ab- you're you're absolutely right. So it's a mu- it's it's um, if you imagine if you imagine the the spokes of a typical kind of fintech, you might have like in the middle you've got all of the different products, and then on the outside you've got like the community. And you've got like the events, you've got this, you've got like all of the things, like nothing happens within the product. You don't, it, you don't interact with anyone in the product about anything. Yeah. But we, we, we're, we're creating this experience that kind of weaves together friends and creators, influence as well through, through kind of rewards and excitement, making finance fun in their, in their everyday finance. So the, the first of those, um, the first of those is a is a is a um, Mastercard debit card, and every time you it's completely free actually. But every time you you, you spend, you've got the chance of winning um, between one pound and a, and a million pounds. You can uh, win your purchases back. Um, you, you can do a whole array of of other things as 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 well. Uh, but the really interesting part of it is uh, is the kind of social element that un- underpins that. So. You can earn more with your friends, your followers, and, and, and your communities. So you invite your friends, your family, your your other half, your workmates, your classmates, even just some like people you're going to go to a festival with. And the more people you invite, um, and the more squads you're a part of, the higher your your chance of winning. Because now you've got a chance to win not just every time you pay, um, but also every time someone in any one of your squads spends or, or, or saves as well. And you kind of allocate that spending and, and saving a, a, across squads. You kind of take part in squad challenges. Um, you can access more rewards and, and get additional perks and discounts by, by doing these kind of things together. And it's create, it creates this natural network effect that's never been possible in, in, in fintech before. Um, but I think kind of lastly, um, what we've built is, a, is this kind of inter, what we call the interaction layer. So um, 
in squads, you're the, these squads, and that's what we call them. You invite your friends into squads, but you've, we've also got an army of about two and a half thousand kind of small influencers that already have online followings up to about 10, 20K, uh, 50K in, 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 some, in some occasions. Um, and they're, they're bringing in their, their followers into the app and it's a revenue stream for, for them, for everyone that, 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 they, that they bring in. But we've decoupled the, um, the KYC from, uh, from, from the app. So anyone can come in and join and, and, and just be a follower. Um, but you're not just a, a follower. In a squad, you, you kind of get unique rewards and, and giveaways. You can see what the creator's spending their money on. You can get exclusive access to, to that creator, chat to them. Um, there are brand drops, community challenges, and, and, and you're going to get content there before you get content on any of their other platforms, be it Instagram, be it uh, YouTube, whatever it is, because they've, they've, they, they've agreed that they'll, they'll post one to two days before on, on everything. And they get, uh, uh, they get an upside from that. So, yeah, Flow is this kind of social feed across all of the, the squads. Um, and that's, that's the thing like that, that has never existed in, in finance before. We, we've put social at the heart of, of finance, but there's never been a reason to be social about finance before. And the reason to be social is the chance to win rewards and, and make finance fun and make it exciting. Um, and, and that's the kind of real USP that, that, that we've got at everything. That's I, the guys, the rest of the fintech guys, that they're just not going to replicate that. It's a complete departure from their existing business model. So we're in here on our own, and that's quite exciting for us as well. It definitely sounds exciting. I'm, I'm not the social generation anymore, but I, I would sign up straight away. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. We'll, we'll throw you to the front of the wait list. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So how can people get part of that wait list? Yeah, so so it's really easy. You just go to um, to joineverything.com uh, and you can sign up there on the on the landing page. Uh, I think there's the best part, uh, including creators, the best part of about ten odd thousand uh, people signed up now. And the more you share it in 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 line with how the product works, the more the more you share it with friends and and, and family and people you know, um, the higher up the wait list you, you go and, and we'll, we'll pay you we'll pay you five pounds as well for every referral that comes onto the platform, uh, signs up and, and and starts using their their card. So so yeah, joineverything.com. And is is that globally available or are you restricted to certain markets right now or in the yeah so we're we're, we're starting we're starting in the uk um you can actually buy it because of the nature of um of the of the team so we're, we're based in 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 the uk but we've also got a hub in iceland where all of our development team are and, and another hub in in stockholm as, as well so anyone who's uh who's from sweden or uh or iceland I'm uh, not sure how many Icelandic listeners you, you've got, but if anyone's there, you can sign up too. But yeah, it's primarily the, the UK to, to start with. Um, and the first year will be focused on kind of dominating that, that, UK, that UK market and uh, making sure that we, we've got that, that product market fit. Um, but we're, we're, we'll be coming to the rest of Europe pretty soon. Yeah, awesome. Let's get into the last part of the podcast where I'm asking a couple of questions slightly disconnected to what we have talked until now and maybe connected let's figure it out if you can be part of a project or run a project that's impacting every human being on earth what project would you choose to be part of and why Oof, that is that is a good one so i think uh, i think and here's the the first tenuous link to, to earlier like i 
I grew a passion for um, for for sustainable sustainable business um, and sustainable business practices in the in the very 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 early stages of of being part of that MBA. So I think um, without knowing the the exact project, I'd I'd love to I'd love to to work around the um, around the spec of, of sustainability and, and, and climate change. I think it would be great. I'd I'd love to have been there. Um, front and center during the the last kind of climate change forum, where India and China decided that they'd uh, they'd 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 backtrack, and now that the whole war in in Ukraine seems to have just put this right to the back of everyone's agenda. So I think it's probably needed more than anything else um, at, at the minute. So yeah, look, I'd I'd like to be part of the 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 UK's embassy team uh, going and uh, and putting climate change back on the the political and, and business agenda. Great pitch. <laughs> how, how can people reach out to you and where can people find you? Uh, okay, so you can, uh, you can if you want to ping me an, an email, you can get me at mw at joineverything.com. Um, you'll also find me as Michael Wilkinson on LinkedIn. Uh, most, of, most of the time, I'm pretty good at, at replying, to, um, replying to requests there. So, You get a kind of full suite of who I am and, uh, and what I've done. Um, but you can also follow me on Twitter. It's uh, at MW underscore startups. Uh, relatively generic. I, I like startups, though. So um, and my name is Michael Wilkinson. So it kind of makes sense. Uh, so, yeah, um, email, LinkedIn or Twitter. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And I love by the way, you, your approach of how you wrote your CV on LinkedIn. I've, I haven't seen it for a while that someone is doing really is like, these are my um, experiences and what, what I did. And these are what I've achieved. It's very, very cool. So very good example. Yeah, for no, I think, I, I think I spent a lot of time doing, doing interviews and, uh, and seeing bad CVs. <laughs> so I, I think, uh, I think I learned, learned a lot from thousands of interviews over the years uh, around what actually make, like, what do you actually want to scan and, and see? So yeah, no, I, th I think it's important. Yeah. Very great one. Awesome. Michael, thank you very much for sharing all your knowledge. I could talk five hours more. There are so many questions I still have open. Maybe we can do Uh, round two one day in the future absolutely no look thank you very much for 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 having me um i really really enjoyed it and hopefully there'll be some useful morsels for for people out there to to extract and, uh, and use definitely thank you very much thanks for listening to today's episode you will find the links and resources in the show notes of this episode If you would like to support the podcast, the most impactful thing you can do is subscribing to the show on any of the podcasting platforms and give me a review. This will help me to reach more innovators around the world and bring some of you into the show. If you have any question to the guest or want to engage with me, feel free to reach out to me on social media and contact me there.